Hello, my friends, and welcome back for this week's episode of the Practical Parsha podcast. This is Rabbi Shlomo Kohn. I hope you are well. And this week is a special episode. Um, really, every week's a special episode, but this week's extra special because it's exactly one year since since I began the Practical Parsha podcast. And thank God, I'm so happy I started this podcast. And many of you have reached out to me, and I really appreciate it. I've made friends through this podcast. And just um, a thought before I begin is many times we have goals, and the goals that we have for ourselves seem overwhelming. How do we achieve it? How do we accomplish and, some, and that leads us to just not doing anything. And the lesson I could take out from starting this podcast is that the journey of a thousand miles starts with one step. You know, when I began this podcast, I, it was something I, I wanted to do, and I just started. You know, I was encouraged by people, specifically my wife, and it's really her merit that I could still deliver episodes, sometimes... Thursday night late, um, other times when she could use my help. So she should be Gaben. She should have a lot of blessing. And she ha- she's a partner with me in this podcast. Um, and just, just uh, I, you know, it was easy to, to it could have been easy for me to just give it up. But I'm happy I've kept with it for a full year. And God willing, I should, Hashem should send me more ideas and fresh ideas um, and the strength to continue doing this for the next year. So, as always, if you have any questions, comments, or just would like to reach out, say hello, or give me some words of encouragement to keep this podcast going, please feel free to send me an email at rabbishlamokon, K-O-H-N, at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. This week's Parsha is Parsha's Baaloscha. And just to give a quick overview of the Parsha, the Parsha deals with Aaron, Hakohen, Aaron, the high priest. It was his job to light the menorah, as well as the consecration of the Levites and the responsibilities that they had in the Mishkan, the tabernacle. The Parsha also tells us of the mitzvah of Pesach Sheni, the, the second chance that the Jewish people had at giving the Paschal lamb because they couldn't do it the first time because they were impure. The Torah continues with the travels of the Bnei Yisrael, of the Jewish people in the desert, that a special cloud, the Anane Hakava, the clouds of glory, um, told the Jewish people when they should travel and when they should rest. When the clouds rose up, the Jewish people knew it was time to pack up camp and they would follow the clouds of glory till they would stop and then they would encamp. And the Torah tells us about the travels and the special clouds of glory which protected the Jewish people and illuminated their path. The Parsha also tells us about the chatzosros, the trumpets, these special trumpets that were used at special occasions and also during times of war as well. The Parsha also deals with the story of the misoninin, the, the complainers who complain about the, the spiritual food of mun and they desire meat. And the Torah tells us how God responds to them, as well as the Parsha finishing with this, of Miriam's uh, case of tzaras, of, of leprosy, and how she is quarantined, and the Jewish people wait for her. 
The first idea I wanted to share with you today is on the first few verses of the Parsha. Now, in the beginning of the Parsha, the, the Torah tells us how Hashem tells Moshe to tell Aaron that he is going to have the special job of lighting the menorah. And if you look at Rashi in Rashi's commentary in the Torah, it says as follows, Nismecha Parshas HaMenorah LeParshas HaNesim. Right, this, this, what Rashi's bringing down, Rashi's bringing down a famous Midrash that's asking, what's the connection between this Parsha, this section that deals with Aaron lighting the menorah, and the last section of last week's Parsha, which dealt with the leaders of each tribe bringing a special sacrifice in honor of the inauguration of the Mishkan, of the tabernacle. When Aaron saw the rest of the leaders of the tribes bringing these special sacrifices, he became weak, he became faint. Because he wasn't included in this special celebration to bring a sacrifice. Not him, nor his shavit of Levi. And Aaron thought, the reason why he felt weak, he felt sad, was because he thought, because of his involvement in the sin of the Chet Egel, the golden calf, that he was involved to a certain extent, right? He was culpable, he felt. And therefore, since he maybe had sinned, so therefore God was angry at him and had not included him in the special a procession of the sacrifices of the Nesim. So, Amar Lo Yakarish Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hu, God said to Aaron Akohen, Chayacha, I promise you, Shalacha Gedoyla Mishalahem. Says your portion is going to be greater than their portion, referring to the Nesim. Shaato Madlek Umedevasaneros, because you are going to light the menorah, and it's something you're going to do. And the commentaries tell us that. You know, there's different meanings to this medrash. One understanding is that Aaron HaKohen, Hashem was telling Aaron HaKohen that his job of lighting the menorah would be permanent. Meaning these Nesim who were, who were doing this job of bringing the sacrifices, it was a temporary mitzvah that they had. But Hashem said to Aaron, don't worry, you didn't sin. I'm giving you a more special job, which is going to endure for eternity, which was a reference to the mitzvah of lighting the menorah, which is a mitzvah that we have nowadays, as opposed to the sacrifices which we don't have right now. Now, the question I saw brought down was, why did the Shevet of Levi, why did the tribe of Levi not have a carbon? Why did, not, why did they not bring a sacrifice during this whole procession? You know, We see that Aaron felt bad, and Hashem was comforting him that his job, which was lighting the menorah, which is a special job that Hashem was going to give specifically to Aaron and his children, was going to be an even bigger job because it was going to be for eternity. But why weren't they included in the original commandment to bring these special sacrifices during the Nesim? Why was the whole tribe of Levi not included? And the Svasemes, he explains that the Nesim, that when these leaders of each tribe saw the Mishkan being built, they became overwhelmed they became nisragish, which means that they, 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 they were inspired, that they saw and they felt for the first time that godliness could reside in this world and, and it could be manifested. The shechina, the divine presence, could be manifested in a physical building in this world. So therefore, in order to, to basically take that inspiration, they were commanded to channel it into a carbon, to bring it, to have a carbon, 
and to bring it in the, in the special procession of the Hanukkah's um, Hamishkan and this inauguration of the Mishkan. And that's really the whole point of a carbon because of the root of the word carbon means karov, to bring close. And because they were nispalub, they became, you know, they were awestruck. They were inspired. They were overwhelmed by this holiness of the Shekhinah residing itself in the Mishkan and the tabernacle. So therefore, they, they needed to channel it into giving a carbon, into bringing a sacrifice. And that's why they had that special commandment to bring these special Carbonos, the sacrifices now at this time, once the Mishkan was built. But the Svasemes, he writes that Shevet Levi, the tribe of Levi, they were not so nispal, they were not so overwhelmed, they were not so awestruck, they were not so inspired when the Mishkan was built. And the question is, why is that? Why do they not have that same inspiration, that same feeling, that same hispilus, right? Overwhelming, you know, awestruckness that the rest of the tribes had. And he says that the reason that the Levium, the tribe of Levi, which consists of the Levium and the Kohanim, that they did not feel the same as the rest of the tribes when the Mishkan was built, is because they already by themselves from their times in Mitzrayim, from their time in Egypt, already came to a recognition that Hashem, that God, could reside in this physical world without the Mishkan. They were able to get to that level, to that madrega in spirituality by themselves. And we know this, he brings down that the Levium, because they they carried the Mishkan, they, 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 they carried it, and they, they served in the Mishkan, and the Kohanim themselves, because they are considered themselves sort of part of the service, they within themselves, from their own spiritual workings, they were able to come to the same realization as the rest of the Jewish people way before the Mishkan was built. And therefore, once the Mishkan was built, it didn't strike them as strongly as the rest of the tribes because they already were at that point. They did it by themselves. They did it internally. And the, the Svasemis brings down a medrash that says when the Jewish people left Egypt, they left, they had different merits. And it says that the tribes of B'nai Israel, the reason what merited for them to leave the the Egypt was the schus of the Mishkan. And the Levium, they left Egypt because of schus atzma, because of their own merit. And because they were already there, they, were, they internalized this message of spirituality being able to dwell in this world even without the Mishkan, right? We know that the whole purpose of a tabernacle of a Mishkan is, is making a resting place for Hashem on this world. And the Levium, they were of elevated status. The Kohanim, the Levium, they were more in tune spiritually. They did not take part in the slavery in Egypt. They continued to study Torah. And they were they were able to get to this madrega, to this level, by themselves. And therefore, they didn't have to bring a carbon. They didn't have to bring a sacrifice when it came to the Chanukah's Hamishkan, when it came to the inauguration of the Mishkan, it wasn't necessary for them to bring a sacrifice. And really, this is a very important message for us. You know, we might not be Levium or Kohanim, 
right? Some of us may be Kohanim and Leviim, but we know that the Rambam, Maimonides says, V'loy shevet levi bilvad, that it's not just shevet levi, not just the tribe of levi, that really all the Jewish people were mamleches Kohanim v'goykadosh, we are a kingdom of princes and a holy nation, that everybody, in, in a sense, has the ability to be a levi. And what does that mean to be a levi? You know, there was a famous chassid, his name is Rav Mendel Futterfas. He was very, he, he sacrificed tremendously to observe the Torah and to spread Torah, even at the risk of, he went to Siberia, the communists sent him to Siberia for many years, and he was someone who was steadfast in his Judaism. And he once told someone that he asked them a question, who's the holiest person? Where's the holiest place? And what's the holiest time? And he answered, the holiest person is you. The holiest place is here. And the holiest time is now. And this is something we should remember. To be like a levy, it means to, to not need externals to help us achieve our goals in spirituality to help achieve our goals in, in life, and specifically in Avodah Hashem, in the service of God. You know, there's always going to be situations and times where things are not perfect. And we need that inner self-determination and that conviction within ourselves to help us overcome the moment and to achieve. Because ultimately, you know, it's important to give people support. And it's important to be, give people compliments. But at the same time, in the end of the day, what's going to get a person to the finish line, what's going to get us to our goals, is the inner self-determination, the self-reliance, I guess, I shouldn't say reliance, but just this, our picking ourselves up and, and finding the strength within ourselves to achieve our goals, to be self-motivated, to, to take ourselves, pick ourselves up, and to achieve what we want to achieve. And that's what it means to be like the tribe of Levi. And God willing, we should use that to take that trait to help us achieve our goals. A second thought I wanted to share with you today is that the Parsha talks about the Anane HaKavod, the clouds of glory. Now these special clouds of glory, they protected the Jewish people, they gave them light when at nighttime they told the Jewish people where to go, right? The Jewish people followed these clouds in the desert. And the, the Mepharshim, the, the commentaries tell us that when the clouds of glory rested on the Mishkan, on the tabernacle, the people knew that they could stop, that they were, it's time to encamp. But if the clouds rose up above the Mishkan, so then they knew it was time to pull out their suitcases and start packing. The Ramban the Nachmanides describes that the travel schedule of the Jewish people in the desert was very erratic. That sometimes the Jewish people would arrive at a barren area in the desert and the people wanted to leave immediately, but yet the clouds would rest. And other times the Jewish people would find themselves in a very beautiful oasis which looks great for setting up camp and to enjoy themselves for a little bit and yet the clouds would not stay there for a long time. The travels of the Jewish people in the desert was not easy. It was a test. 
right? Sometimes when they thought it was time to go, it was time they should stay. And things, when, they, when it looked good, it was time for them to go. And really the question that could be asked was that, what's the purpose of all this? Why was Hashem doing this to the Jewish people? Why was he making it so burdensome, so hard, so challenging? And Rabbi Dessler, in Michtav Meliao, he explains that Hashem was teaching the Jewish people a fundamental lesson and conditioning them when it comes to their observance of Torah and of Torah and mitzvos. That when it comes to our observances of Torah, of mitzvos, of following what Hashem wants from us, it can't be dependent on external conditions. Because if we make our observances dependent on how we feel or how the weather is or what type of mood we're in, we put ourselves at risk of not doing them at all. You know, many times you ask people, you know, why don't you exercise? Why don't you do this? And everyone has good excuses for different things. And specifically when it comes to spirituality, people say if I had more free time, when I'm, you know, I'll do it later. Um, you know, there's too much going on. You know, there's, the expression goes, the most perfect time is now. And the lesson that the clouds of glory are teaching us is that, you know, life's not a picnic. There's always different challenges that come up, different things that arise. And specifically in the desert, it wasn't easy. The clouds, you know, it wasn't a hospitable area. And they traveled, they went around, they stopped, they they went. It was erratic. There was no, you know, rhyme or reason to things, you know, seemingly. But yet they listened to Hashem. They did what God wanted them to do. And the lesson for us is, is when it comes to our lives, when it comes to our observances, when it comes to Torah, when it comes to our relationship with Hashem, we can't let the externals change how we act and how, how we do things. Because if we do that, we're putting our observances and our relationship with Hashem um, to the whims of how we feel. And when we do that, we risk not doing it. And really, the, just to bring this idea home a little bit more, it says, Al pi Hashem yachanu, al pi Hashem yiso. According to the word of Hashem, they shall encamp, and according to the word of Hashem, they shall travel. And the Chavetz Chaim writes that the fact that the Pasuk, that the verse reiterates itself, that when they encamped, they did it on the word of Hashem, and when they traveled, they did it on the word of Hashem, teaches us a tremendous lesson when it comes to how we conduct ourselves, whether we're traveling or whether we're encamping, we're home. Because we should try to be the same person. We shouldn't try to be one person when we're at home and another person when we're out of the home. That we should try to keep our standards wherever we are. Now, it doesn't mean to say that if somebody's only doing a mitzvah in his house, and you know it's not all or nothing. But the point is that the standards that we have, we should try to have them throughout all areas of our life to be a consistent person. And I believe this is the one of the, the fundamental ideas when it comes to the clouds of glory. That it's not just about doing things when it feels good. It's not just doing things when they're easy. We have to try to do what needs to be done to do the right thing all the time. And that's one of the lessons, or the fundamental lessons of the Anani Akavo, the clouds of glory, from this week's Parsha. So that's going to finish for today's 
podcast. I hope you enjoyed. If you have any questions, comments, or would like to reach out, please feel free to send me an email at rabbishlomokon, K-O-H-N, at gmail.com. Have a great day.